Have you ever wished you could just grab coffee with a top leader in your direct sales company and pick her brain about all the things? Well, you're in luck. My name is Tiffany Spees. Welcome to Directly Different, the podcast where I have conversations with top direct sales leaders and ask them to share what they're doing differently to help them achieve success in their businesses. Direct sales doesn't have to feel spammy or gross. You can absolutely find success in your business by doing things a different way. I want you to feel empowered and inspired to be, well, different. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Directly Different. As social sellers, we're constantly juggling multiple responsibilities and striving to achieve our goals. But what if I told you that one of the most powerful tools for success lies in something as simple as a good night's sleep? Today's guest, Tanessa Shears, is a health consultant for entrepreneurs. She specializes in biohacking techniques to double your energy and focus as an entrepreneur, and couldn't we all use a double dose of energy and focus? Tanessa will share some practical tips and strategies to enhance your sleep quality and create healthy sleeping habits that fit into your busy lifestyle and help you become limitless in your social selling journey. To learn more about the services that Tanessa offers as a health consultant, be sure to check out the links in the show notes. Hello, Tanessa. Thank you so much for being a guest on Directly Different. I am really excited. This episode most is mostly for me. I told you that before we hopped on. It's mostly for me and for my benefit, but I know that listeners will really benefit from the information you have to share today. And we're focusing a lot on sleep. Oh boy. Ugh. I feel a little bit nervous about <laughs> diving into this, but thank you so much for being on the show this week. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. We're, we're talking about one of my favorite topics. I know it's going to be a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will be. All right. So before we dive in, tell us a little bit about you and your family. Yeah. So I'm a mama. I have a one and a three-year-old right now. So I mean, funny sleep is not too far off in my timeline right now, but as far as my business, I'm a health consultant and my job is I work with entrepreneurs to help them double their energy and their focus. So many entrepreneurs wake up tired. We go through our day. We can't focus. Our energy's low. We get drop-offs in the afternoon. And then we're so tired in the evening that we don't get to spend present time with our families. And we're usually just defaulting to like whatever it is that can pass the time until bedtime. But my, my thinking is, is like, as entrepreneurs, this is supposed to be fun. Like we're supposed to love this, right? So I just love to use um, wearable technology. So your Fitbits, your Aura Rings, all of that kind of stuff to help us get the best return on investment for the time we spend in our health so that it can help us make more money. We all want that, right? <laughs> so you are passionate about helping entrepreneurs double their energy and focus, like you said, so they can optimize their productivity and just become more successful and make more money in the long run. How did you become passionate about this topic in the first place? I got into health completely by accident. I used to, while I was going through university, I was a lifeguard and a swimming teacher and you spend a lot of time in the water and it's very cold. And so I was like, please, I don't want to teach 20 hours of swimming lessons a week. How can I do something different? And they're like, you know, Tanessa, if you want, you can teach the seniors aquafits on Fridays. I was like, sign me up. So as I was going through that training, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. I'm obsessed transferred my whole degree from 
journalism and communications over to kinesiology, got my degree. And as soon as I graduated from university with my kinesiology background, I opened a business and I started as a personal trainer, but I really soon found that seeing 33 clients a week, plus admin work, plus programming, plus marketing, I was drowning. Right. And so that's kind of when I started going online and my clients eventually all became entrepreneurs because fitness and health and sleep is so much about so much more than just, you know, looking good in a pair of jeans. It's like, oh my gosh, my brain is working better. And so that's kind of how my business has formed today. And I work with entrepreneurs to just really help them wake up well-rested and get a lot more done during their day so that they can spend their free time doing things with the people they love. Yes. And I think that is a really positive change in the fitness industry that we've seen in the last 20, 30 years, because it used to be you know, buns of steel, right? My mom had a had a videotape that she would go that she would do while we were at school, buns of steel. And it has really evolved from that, just looking good to feeling good for not just ourselves, but for our families. So what are the biggest struggles entrepreneurs face? And more specifically, what are the things that are holding us back that we can control. So, you know, obviously we can't control certain factors of our life. Maybe, you know, a spouse's work schedule or maybe, you know, some sort of something external that there are things that we cannot control when it comes to being an entrepreneur and managing our health at the same time. But what are the biggest struggles that we face that are things that we can control? If that makes sense. Yeah, no, if we're talking about sleep, it's going to bed on time. Mm. We, I've had very few clients that roll in or like got the bedtime thing nailed down. And a lot of it is, there's two reasons is one is we have this drive of like, but if I work until 1130 at night, or if I just stay up a little later and get this project done, I'll be more productive. And we tell ourselves that like, Ooh, if I'm more productive, that means X, Y, Z, I'll feel better, whatever it is. But when we start compromising our sleep, I think what really happens is we're stealing from tomorrow's productivity. We've all shown up to our desk, had no creativity, brain fog. You know, we haven't come up with anything good to write and it's a struggle. And like, how much time are we losing to not only that, but feeling distracted and having an Amazon tab open when you're really supposed to be trying to write content. Like we know what that that feels like. And so I, I really think it comes down to understanding that like sleep is not just something that we should think about as a side thing, but it is the foundation on which not only our brain performance, but all of our other habits are built. So once we can understand that, we start peeling back the, the layers of like what else is really preventing us from going to bed on time. But if we can solve that productivity conversation first, that takes the first big obstacle out of the way. Yes, and there it is such a stereotype of entrepreneurs to wear the badge of honor of no sleep. I did not sleep while I built my business for three straight years, and here I am. I'm a multimillionaire, but they're also burnt out, right? So we know that the long-term effects, we all know this, whether or not we are getting proper sleep each night. We all know that the long-term effects of poor sleeping habits is never good. <laughs> so why do we do this to ourselves? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I like to really break it down and, and and relate like what we're missing out on when we don't sleep, because I don't think we really understand what's going on. And considering it's a third of our lives that we're spending doing this, there's so little that we know about it. And so I always like to break it down in that when you sleep, you're, you don't just go to sleep and wake up. Like your brain actually goes through this restorative process where it preps you for the entrepreneur you're showing up as tomorrow. So there's two main components of sleep where we get a lot of that quality. Deep sleep is one of those. So if you 
are needing to physically restore your mind or your body, it happens during deep sleep. Like we've all woken up on those days where we feel like physically drained, like we've been hit by a truck. And those are those days where our body didn't get to recover. We didn't get enough deep sleep. But on the other end of the night, so mostly in those morning hours, we get what I call entrepreneurial gold. It is dream sleep, also known as rapid eye movement sleep. When we get enough REM sleep, our ability to solve problems increases and our creativity. So we're all in the business of needing to be creative, to being able to come up with new ideas, solve problems, right? And if we can get better at positioning our our products and our services as solutions to problems, our businesses are going to grow. But when we don't get enough REM sleep, we can't tap into that creativity the same way. And another really interesting thing about REM sleep is it it allows us to read facial expressions and body gestures better. Whenever we're in conversation with friends, potential clients, even on this interview like this, like my brain is subconsciously watching for different cues. Like, is this making sense? Do I need to explain this more? Should I slow down? Is this boring them? Right? Like I'm gauging that and it makes me a better teacher, a better coach and a better educator. And so when I pair that with creativity, and then the last thing of like REM sleep allows us to be cool as a cucumber, who's woken up from a bad sleep and felt irritated or a little more snappy than usual, or you just are like, to heck with it. I just need to sit down on the couch with some food and watch some Bravo or some housewives or something because today just was too much. I'm not in the mood for it. So when we don't get that REM sleep, we are, are less likely to be able to be in control of our emotions. So whether that's a troll on the internet, an email that comes in unexpectedly, a last minute thing on your to-do list, like I want to be able to maintain emotional integrity so that I can show up the way I want in my business. So sleep is not literally just about getting you to the next day and something you can take out of in order to be more productive. You're literally asking yourself, what kind of person and entrepreneur and parent do I want to show up as tomorrow? And am I willing to compromise that to get an extra thing off my to-do list? Hmm. That's, that gets me because I do think that I always think, what is something else I can do tonight that will make my day go smoother tomorrow? But then one thing leads to another and then it's 1am and you're, oh man, how did that, where did the time go? And then, but you're, you're by yourself. It's quiet. So then we, we trick ourselves into thinking this is better, but maybe it's not. Yeah, well, I think it's just part of that conversation is that we we have thoughts in our brains and there is a thought that's going through our brain that says, if I finish this, then I will feel this. And we're making that feeling conditional on finishing the item on the to-do list. But the great thing is, is you can create that feeling you're after. If you just want that sense of feeling and control, like you don't have to finish the to-do list to feel the control. Like that's all controlled by the sentences in your head. So if we're starting to able to like access what our brain is thinking about our to-do list and become aware that that is the problem and not the actual length of the to-do list. Oh, so much freer. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. That's a mindset shift for sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. So what are some of the most common mistakes or poor habits that you see entrepreneurs making when it comes to sleep? What do people come to you saying, Tanessa, help me in the, in XYZ area? What are some of those things? Yeah, I like to call these my my sleep red flags. And it's when I hear people say these things that I'm like, ah, I got you here. So I'll, I'll tell you a couple of them. The first one is my sleep is fine. Hmm. And I always love to follow it up with this. But how do you know? 
because most of us don't actually take the time to track our sleep. Now think about this. Imagine I gave you a credit card, but you had no idea how much money was in the bank and you had to go spend, but you don't know if you're, if, have you gone over? Are you in overdraft? Like, have we run up a limit? Like what, what's going on? So without being able to see your online banking, you really have no idea what's going on with your finances. This is the same with any type of wearable sleep tracker, because there are devices that can actually track what's going on while you sleep and your brain. So without knowing, how would you know? I've had clients that have come in before and that'll be like, I'm sleeping seven hours. It's great. But when the data comes in, they're like at five hours, 45 minutes because they're not accounting for awake time and the quality's not there. And they're like, oh, you mean that's why I'm feeling so tired all the time. It's because my sleep isn't where I need it to be. So unless you're tracking it, it's really hard to say my sleep is fine. And I think another really big one I hear is, but I, I work great off six hours of sleep. Sure, you might be able to function, but there's something really cool that happens or interesting maybe called baseline resetting means after so many days in a row of only getting six hours of sleep per night, you adjust to that level of cognitive decline and you don't even know it's happening anymore. So what you think is normal is maybe operating at like 60% of what your brain can actually operate at. So the human brain does need seven or more hours of sleep. So that's another one. And I think the last one um, I hear that's a red flag is like, I fall asleep really quick. Like it's great. But if you're falling asleep in less than five minutes, that's actually a red flag because that means you're so exhausted. The human brain takes between five and 20 minutes to fall asleep. So if you're like, I hit the pillow and I'm out, that might be a really good place to start exploring in terms of like, Maybe I'm more tired than I think I am. Maybe I'm not getting the rest I need. And that's what's causing me to crash at the end of the night. Mm, those are those are some big red flags for sure. So what would you say are the components of a good night of sleep? I know you talked about tracking mm. your sleep and being able to allow your body to go into deep sleep and also into REM sleep. But what are the components of a good night of sleep. Like when you have a client that says, wow, I slept really well. What does that mean for you, for them, for, for the general population? Yeah. So there's a couple of things I look at. Um, number one is first of all, are we getting enough sleep? So I'm looking for, I'm like with most entrepreneurs, I'm like, let's just cross that seven hour mark. <laughs> That'll be goal. Number one. If we can get more than that, that's another conversation. Uh, beyond that, when I start to actually look at the quality of sleep, we're looking for an hour at minimum of time spent in deep sleep and an hour and a half spent dreaming. And like, those are one of those things that you can tell by looking at specifically wearable data. Beyond that, what we start looking at is the restfulness of sleep. So a really big one is time awake. Now, when I first started tracking my sleep, I only bought my Fitbit to begin with because I was going to be the fittest pregnant lady ever. I decided I was going to take all the steps, but this was my first pregnancy. And nobody told me about the pelvic pain that I was going to be experiencing. And I wasn't moving very much after that. So I was like, what else does this thing do? And it kept telling me that I wasn't getting enough sleep. And I was like, what are you talking about? I go to sleep at 11 and wake up at six, seven hours. But what my brain didn't know at that time was there is a difference between the sleep you get, the actual amount of sleep and the opportunity you give yourself to sleep. Now, the average entrepreneur, and I've looked at a lot of data, is awake about an hour to an hour, 15 minutes every night of that time that they are trying to sleep. And that includes time they spend falling asleep, wake-ups in the middle of the night, like you have to wake up to go to the washroom, times your kids wake you up or your dog wakes you up or your partner snores, and then time in the morning when you're coming out of sleep. And if you add that up, that can be quite a significant part of the night, especially if we're not winding down properly. So that's one of those things I look at is to make sure that less than 10% of your night is spent 
awake. So we want to really start condensing that. So these are the things that I start to look at from like a data standpoint. But if we're looking at just an energy, it's like, do you have stable energy throughout the day? Do you feel like you need an two cups of coffee to get going in the morning? Do you need a whole routine to boot up? Do you Are you able to do what you want in your evenings or are you defaulting to what you can stand with the energy you have? Like I know a good one like is some people are like, all I have the energy for is Netflix. Although I would love to go for a walk with my kids. That's a really good example of just things that um, I start to measure as like success, uh, success milestones. All right, Tanessa. So you have mentioned wearable technology a couple of times, especially the aura ring. And I know that I have heard of this. I know some people who have it. So tell us a little bit about it and what it does and help how it helps us track things like sleep. Yeah. So it's actually a ring that has a whole bunch of different sensors and stuff built in, and it tracks a lot of your biological data. And the way I love to use this is to tell if what I'm doing is a good use of my time. Am I getting a good return on investment? Because honestly, we go on Instagram or YouTube and everyone has 500 health things you should be doing in order to feel this way or look like this. So the way I like to use this wearable data is directly to figure out what's the best use of my time. So for example, if I decide to turn off all screens 60 minutes before bed, do I notice a difference in the amount of REM sleep I'm getting? Am I able to stay asleep more soundly throughout the night? Do I feel better when I wake up in the morning? And these are things I'm watching for. But the Aura Ring in general, I, I do love it. It gives you a lot of data. Like I'm talking about the pattern your heart rate goes through during the night, a lot of data. So it is a fantastic resource for that. But another option, like if you're just getting into this, like the Fitbit is a very basic, good option. It's like a quarter of the price. Um, Its data is not 100% as accurate, obviously, but it'll do the job to give you an idea of what is going on. And that's where I first started with this. And it gives you a lot more other features too, like being able to track steps accurately and workouts and stuff like that. Whereas the aura ring, I like to think of that as something that's more designed for recovery and sleep and uh, yeah, more of a recovery based tool. Whereas the, the watches that we see are a lot more of activity and exercise based tools. So they actually have a nice role playing together. I do use them both, but that's what I would use those for. So interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So Tanessa, we talked about tracking our data and just making sure we're getting the proper amount of sleep, but what are some more tips that you have for improving this area of our wellness, this very important area that we neglect, all of us do it from time to time. How can we go from tired, sluggish, unproductive to energized, fresh, and motivated each day, even when, so besides getting the proper amount of sleep, because we all know that we, we can improve in this area. I'm sure everybody listening can improve in some way, shape, or form in the amount of sleep that they get each night. But what are some other ways that we can improve in this area? I think that answer to that comes down to understanding our circadian rhythm. So all of us have a 24-hour clock that is inside of our body that governs a lot of things. Like most people don't know this, but our heart rate is highest at a certain point of day and lowest at a certain point of day. Same with our body temperature, our breathing rate, all of these kind of things cycle throughout the day. So if we are able to optimize that rhythm then we are going to be feeling a lot more well-rested and a lot less sluggish. So a good example of something that like has a high impact on your circadian rhythm is going to be going to bed and waking up at a similar time, right? Just like your body temperature rises and falls at certain times, if we are able to maintain consistent sleep-wake times, that is a great thing to do. And that includes on the weekends. But 
we're humans. We got social lives. So if you do the odd night where you have to stay out later or you get up later, it's not going to affect it nearly as much, but we're wanting to be as consistent with that as possible. Now, if we're looking at like actionable strategies that we can do to help enhance that regular bedtime and the quality of sleep we're getting, we want to ask ourselves like what actually affects our circadian rhythm. And one of the biggest things is light. Now, I want you to think about this. If we took away all of our indoor electricity and we go back pre-electricity, what told us that it was nighttime? Well, it was the sun going down, right? The sun drops in the sky. It gets nice and dim, reds, oranges, and pinks. And our brain uses that color intensity and light to go, oh, we should start producing the hormones that help with good sleep. And this is what has always for, for years has really geared our brain to that. But now we have indoor lighting, we've got TVs, we've got phones, and these are directly interfering with that signal. So I like to do something called an indoor sunset. And what I do with this is I have the light in my environment, in my home start to mimic sunset about an hour out from bedtime. So if we look at the three factors... Number one is I will start dimming all the lights, whether you have them on a dimmer switcher where you can flip on some lower wattage bulbs. So we're trying to think, how can we dim the lights? Number two, we want them lower. So we're turning off ceiling lights, turning on floor lamps, table lamps, that kind of thing. And the last one is we want to start looking at changing the color. So many of us put these bright white light bulbs in all of our lamps, which is great for the day, but for the evening, it makes it really hard to fall asleep. So what I've done is I actually have an orange hued Edison light bulb, like a 40 watt bulb, and we swap out one bedside table lamp for that. So we have one for day and one for night. And by, you know, just really dimming the lights, turning the colors orange, it cues our brains. Now, what we want to be pairing that with is monitoring the screen exposure. So there's something really fascinating that happens called a digital hangover, meaning if we expose our eyes to screens, and that's phones, computers, TVs, anything like that, within usually that 30 to 60 minute mark of bedtime, it can reduce REM sleep. Remember that entrepreneurial gold we talked about for up to three days post. So we're really having to like work against our, how we're affecting our rhythm in that way. So I always just recommend, Hey, let's, if you're right up till bed right now, start with 15 minutes, do it for a week, start pulling yourself back. And the beautiful thing about that is what we end up replacing that with is usually stuff that feels better. Reading a book, catching up with your partner, like, you know, doing a skin treatment. These are all things that I think create more of that feeling of calm and unwinding than staring onto Instagram right until the moment we go to sleep, right? So when we're looking at what can we do, the biggest cue to our brain is light. And you're asking yourself, how can I eliminate things that are keeping it awake, bright, white, blue lights? And how can we enhance a lot of the things that are helping our brain gear down for bed so we have good sleep? Especially because the lights from screens and things like that is artificial. That's not natural. And so Mm -hmm. being able, I like the idea of being able to mimic nature, even in the home. I never even thought about that, about dimming the lights. Actually, when you go to a restaurant and you are there between the lunch and dinner hour, I don't know if you've ever, if that's ever happened to you, but I've been to restaurants where I'll be sitting there, we'll be sitting there eating. And then they kind of, they start dimming the lights and you're like, Ooh, (laughs) but it's because it's, progressing into that later hour and they're trying to set the mood. And so same thing in our homes, right? We can make our homes feel fancier by dimming the lights at night and making it seem calm. And family members probably walk around talking in more hushed tones. Do you find that that's true? Like it's, I don't know. I've got a three-year-old right now. I don't, maybe in a couple (laughs) of years. (laughs) Maybe idealistically, people will walk around talking in more hushed tones and just, you know, just being quieter and just calming down, maybe not wrestling so much. I don't know. But 
maybe not in this stage of life <laughs> with small children, but uh, idealistically that could yeah, be right? a benefit or a side effect of that. So I love that idea. That's very actionable, very practical for, for really anybody listening. I love that. All right, Tanessa, you are a mom of a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So tell us about how you have made some adaptations to your sleep habits and to your sleep schedule since becoming a mother. What does a bedtime routine look like for you with small children? Because I know a lot of listeners out there are like, okay, but I have small kids. Like, how can I get the best sleep with small kids? So tell us about how you do that. Yeah, I think it's by looking at this idea of optimizing your children's sleep environment because they respond to so many of the same cues. They have circadian rhythms. And it's interesting, intuitively, we know that kids thrive on bedtime routines, yet we don't do that for ourselves. So our bedtime routine in our house is we always aim to finish dinner three hours before bed. And then from there, if we can, if the weather permits, I mean, I live in Canada, so it's hit and miss up here, but we like to get out for a walk because that is one of the best things you can do to really, um, help your body absorb a lot of the food that you ate, bring your blood sugar down, which is going to help you sleep through the night. Um, once we get in, that's when the lights start going down because we're looking at, it's about seven o'clock now. And that's when we like to go through if, you know, it's a shower night or if it's books, we like to close the blinds because right now while we're recording, it's summer and it's bright out until 10. So if I leave our windows open, my brain is constantly being told you need to stay awake. So one of the things we like to do is we shut the curtains and actually start darkening it about an hour before we want to put the kids to bed. And this really works well when we're staying upstairs uh, where it's nice and it's dark. We've got full control. We've got blackout blinds on the window. We turn on that amber bedside lamp. And from there, we'll usually read them a couple books and then we'll put them to bed. Um, they have sound machines. They have full blackout blinds. We make sure that their rooms are about 65 to 68 Fahrenheit, which is the optimal temperature for good sleep. And we're just really, one of the things we do with them is we do a lot of cueing, meaning like I'm constantly asking my daughter like, oh, what's the best part about sleep? And she's like, it gives us energy. And like, whenever she's having a hard day, we're like, you know what would help with this? Getting some good sleep because that's what helps with our emotions. So if a lot of the language around sleep is not like, we got to go to bed. It's like, we get to go to bed. Mm -hmm. And my girls, like they love their naps. They go down easily. Like it's, it's become something that they get to do and look forward to. And it's like, how lucky are we that we get to sleep? Aren't we going to feel so good tomorrow? I know it was a hard day today. Having a sleep is going to help this. So I think a lot of our language has made bedtime very smooth for us. But beyond that, once they're in bed at eight o'clock, like my husband and I are usually lights out by nine because in my personal opinion, everything that happens after that time, if we stay up is consumption based, meaning we're watching TV, we're on Instagram, like there's not a lot of things that add true what I perceive as value to my life. Now, on the other hand, we get up early and in the morning, I don't do a lot of consumption. I do a lot of creating and it feels good whether I'm even whether I'm reading a book, sitting in the sun, working out like the things I choose to do in the morning are always different than what happens at night. And I just decided that I want my time in the morning more than night. And some people that won't work for just because of schedules. But that is something a, a mindset shift I've really had is like if I get to bed, I just get this time back in the morning and I like how I use that time better. Mm -hmm. I love this. This is so great and so practical and such a good encouragement for me because I know these things. I, I tell myself, you know, you sit down to watch a show or a movie and you're like, oh, it's already 10 o'clock. I probably shouldn't start this, you know, but we do anyways. Right. And so it's is a really great encouragement. Cause like you said, 
you're looking forward to the next day or two days or th even three days, depending on the activity. And so you can say, all right, I can either choose to indulge now or become more productive, more creative tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And this is what's more beneficial. What drives us towards our end goal, right? Which as entrepreneurs, as small business owners, as creative people, we are looking towards, you know, hitting those next creative goals and staying up late, eating junk food, watching too much TV. That's not going to help us. Even though it's a, a way that we zone out or relax, we tell ourselves that's the way how we relax, but maybe we should look to sleep because that's actually restorative. Like you've been, like you've been saying. So yeah, it was like the conversation I have with my girls. It's like, do we have a day, you know, we'll fix that a good sleep. <laughs> yes. yes. And also changing the language around how we talk to our kids about sleep. That's a really important tip too, that I think any parent listening is probably like, Hmm, I can talk more positively about sleep instead of you have yeah. to take a nap. I need a break. You know, and I, we've all said that, like you need to take a nap today, <laughs> but framing it. So that way it is a benefit that they get to go to sleep. That is so powerful and so helpful for them in the long run and for, for everybody in the long run, everybody's happier when we get proper sleep. <laughs> that yeah. I remember sure. just being as a kid, like I always felt left out. Like I was being forced to go to bed and my parents got to stay up, but like, and I was, I always felt like sleep was a punishment. Like, why do mm. I have to go to bed now? But like, I, I now know as an adult, like, especially cause this is my work. Like I look forward to curling up in bed with a good book, usually falling asleep, having a really good sleep, not a, not a, a fragmented sleep, not a tossing and turning, not thinking about my to-do list at three in the morning, like setting that up for a good sleep. I feel sometimes we dread the sleep because the sleep itself, it's hard to stay asleep or we toss and turn trying to fall asleep and we don't really feel that good when we wake up. So like, what's the point anyways? But I think if we look at like, what, what would this experience be like if that wasn't the case for me? And would you be willing to spend a week or two of your life experimenting to see if you could get there? And if you do, then you've had both experiences and you get to decide what life you want to live and no, no shame if you want to go back, but at least you can say, I know what it's like to have good sleep and I'd still choose whatever it is that's keeping me up. But I like having both experiences before you make the decision. Mm, I love that. I love that perspective. That's great. And no pun intended, but this like you're saying, this doesn't happen overnight. This is something that you have to work at. It has to be a habit that you work on for a while before it becomes something that, like you said, that you look forward to. And we might think in our heads, okay, I would, I look forward to chilling, vegging at night, but you look forward to getting restful sleep. And so it doesn't happen overnight, but we can one night at a time, we can create better habits for ourselves. All right, Tanessa, you do not just specialize in this area of sleep, even though we've had a great conversation about it, but what are some other ways that we can biohack our energy and become limitless in our entrepreneurial journey? I know that's something that you specialize in is biohacking. So tell us a little bit about what biohacking is and just some other, just an overview of some other ways that we can biohack our energy. Yeah, well, don't go Google it, first of all, because you will get both ends of the spectrum. Biohacking has very extreme ends, just like anything else, right? So I'm going to just break it down. Biohacking is, you are the experiment. It is a research experiment of one. It is specifically what works for you. And the whole purpose is we want to have more energy. We want to feel better. We want to live longer and we want to enjoy that life. 
And so that's why there's a lot of conversation around wearable technology in biohacking because we're looking, does it work for me? And I think that's what's wrong with a lot of the health advice out there is it's like this blanket, do this diet, work out like this, do this. But I'm always looking at how's it going to work for me because the experiment is me. It's about how I can change things in my external environment, my internal environment so that I feel my best, right? So if we're looking at that perspective, what we really want to look at is there are multiple ways to do that. We've talked a lot about sleep, but food is another big one, right? Like what goes into our body affects everything from our clarity to brain fog to our energy. Um, so we can definitely, there's a whole field of, of talking about how to make sure that we're getting that food because it's not just the what to eat, right? Because we all know what we want to eat. We all know we want to sleep. But it's looking at like, what is the actual habits and how can we make ourselves consistent with that, which kind of leads into the other area that I work really um, deeply with with clients is resiliency. I think as entrepreneurs, we we feel like we shouldn't be so stressed or like I, this shouldn't feel so overwhelming, but that's the job. Like it's always unexpected things popping up and you problem solve. I know we were talking on the pre-show about like tech isn't our thing. It's something that you are going to have to deal with, right? So how can we make ourselves more resilient so that when we get overwhelmed by something or something comes in that it doesn't knock us out for a day? Like I very much remember the experience of, you know, you get an email from a client or something or an unexpected thing pops up and you get so flustered and you lose the whole day's worth of focus and productivity, right? How can we curtail that so that we can get you back on focus? And then even to look a step further than that is like, well, let's say you have so much capacity to handle stress before it tips you into a fight or flight response. What if we can increase that capacity so that the same things don't trigger that same response. And so what we look at doing here is creating resilience through direct exposure to stressors. Like think about this, exercise is a stressor. It actually raises mm -hmm. cortisol in your body and it is something that puts your body into fight or flight. But why do we do it? To build ourselves back stronger. And we can do this with a whole bunch of different things. There's different breathing methods that will do this. There's deliberate cold exposure. I mean, cold showers have been something everyone's been talking about lately. Uh, heat exposure is another really good one, like saunas. There's so many ways that we can tax our system in a way that builds our resiliency. And if we can start putting in a couple of these habits, then those things that pop into our day aren't setting us off the same way. And I think that is the way forward. It's not just like be feeling bad that we have stress. It's like, okay, well, I know how to manage it. And I also know that the same things don't set me off anymore. I love this so much. This has been such a great conversation. And like we said at the beginning, these are things, these are things we can control that sometimes we choose not to, or sometimes we just don't know that we aren't optimizing these areas in our life. And we're just going along with, you know, well, people on the internet, you know, they don't get a lot of sleep and they eat junk food and they look at them, they're six figure earners, but this is not a long, that's not a long-term strategy. Nobody can last forever, just, you know, hundred percent every moment of the day. Right. So tell us a little bit about the resources and programs that you offer to entrepreneurs to help them double their energy and focus. And how can we get in touch with you to learn more about these things? Yeah. So I have a free resource. If you're like, I like these biohacks, like, but I want the best ones. I, what I've done is I made a playbook and it's called 12 ways to biohack your energy. If you really want productive mornings and focus in your business. So if you're, if you're like, just give me the goods, I want one thing I can implement and then go and then come back. This playbook is what you're going to want to get. And that's on my website at tanessashears.com. There's a little tab at the top says freebies. Um, but beyond that, if you're a podcast listener, which if you're here, you probably are. My podcast becoming limitless takes one biohack 
hack, deep dives on it and directly how you can apply it so that you see results in your business. And it is, it is a, it is jam packed with stuff. So definitely head over there if you're wanting to uh, dig into the whole biohacking world and optimization. And so you can feel a lot better. Yes. It's, it sounds, you know, out there, but it really isn't. Like you said, it's just things that we do every day and it's very personalized. It's very individual and it's things that we can, little areas that we can improve in our lives just to make us better at what we do. So thank you so much, Vanessa, for coming on the show and sharing with us your expertise and just your tips and your wisdom about how we can improve even just in this one small area of sleep, which I know is a big area, but it is one area of our our lives that we can improve and just become better versions of ourselves. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening in to this week's episode. In my opinion, it's way more fun to share life with a friend. So if you loved what you heard today, feel free to take a screenshot and post it to your socials so your friends can listen into the show too. Don't forget to tag me at Directly Different Podcast and I'll be sure to give you a shout out. Speaking of social media, follow me on Instagram at Directly Different Podcast and send me a DM. I'd love to continue the conversation. I'll catch you guys in the next episode.